Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 162 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Uh, it's the end of the regular season, Andy. It is uh, episode 162, but that's actually the number of home runs hit by the 2010 Giants. Really? Interesting. Yeah. And, and that, that was a team that could uh, that could win with the home run, at least the, the way that they sort of built that roster toward the end with Pat Burrell, with Uribe, with uh, Cody Ross, especially when a guy named Roy Halladay was on the mound. Um, yeah, you know, that was uh, that 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 team definitely had a, a little bit of thump. Yeah, and I, I push back when people say, oh, the Giants were all pitching no offense teams uh, for a couple different reasons. And the first one is, yeah, they could they could kind of bop in, in 2010 and 2012. They couldn't hit home runs as, as much, but they were a good offensive team. So I think they won the World Series those three times with strong offensive teams. Uh, the pitching got the, the press, but I think they, they did it with offense, too. And how will they do it this year? How will the Giants win the World Series in the year of our Lord, 2021. I think it's still going to be the Padres. I, I see the Padres <laughs> running the table. I don't know. We're, we're talking now on Friday, and uh, the Giants cooled off a little bit. I mean, if you had told me uh, 11 days ago that the Giants would win eight out of their next 10, it, hurrah, pop the, pop the champagne, because that sounds outstanding. But when you get there, and it's uh, a big winning streak followed by... Uh, a two-game losing streak, all of a sudden you start to, to think, oh, is is this a flawed team? What's going wrong? Yeah, I think it's, it's. Uh, I use the word hypochondriac in my story. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's kind of, you know, what, what, why is, why do I have a mole here? Clearly I'm about to die. You know, it's, it's, that's kind of the way that Giants fans, I think, are conditioned to thinking about this season when all the projections had them winning, you know, 77, 76 games and they're you know they won 95 and they still have 15 to play so um yeah i think that uh, you're always looking for a reason to think that the ride is over uh, and 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 sort of conditioned to think that way but you know they've they've lost two in a row before it's just it's just <laughs> it's just so 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 much of a feeling of dread to have the dodgers right there you know not giving any ground they're only a game back uh, you know, the Giants would go off on a streak, like you said, 8 of 10. That could normally seal up a division in most years, not this year. And I think that there is this thought, maybe that's conscious or subconscious, which is, hey, if the Dodgers do pass up the Giants in the standings, then 
it's out of their control. It's out of their destiny. They have no head-to-head games left. And we thought that was a good thing, but you know, it maybe isn't a good thing if they fall behind him. So, you know, the pressure is still on on the Giants to to sort of continue to be the pace car here because they they definitely don't want to have to try to chase the Giant uh, the Dodgers down at the end. Yeah, it's like that that saying, uh, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's if all you're expecting is uh, the the other shoe to drop, like everything looks like the floor. Like it just every every time you look up and the Giants lose one game, even it's like, ah, they can't do that. Like they cannot lose a game. Stop losing. You're like, you just cannot lose any more games. Run the table. And that's not realistic. It's just I think it's heightened by the fact that the Dodgers aren't just like a garden variety good team. They're not just okay. They are one of the best collection of talents. And I don't like ever it baseball talents ever one of the best collections of baseball talents ever and i hate to keep like pushing that point but it's legitimate this is like the team that is chasing the giants right now is as formidable as any opponent any team has ever had in the divisional era in the pre-divisional era like this is it so yeah you're gonna freak out a little bit with the two-game losing streak yeah you know if, if you try to sink the three ball in the corner pocket and you hit just a little bit of the rail and it bounces out you realize that it's going to be the Dodgers' turn, and they're going to run the table. I mean, they're they're just they are going to sink every ball and not give you a chance <laughs> to get another turn. I mean, that's that's they're just that good. And um, you know, it's it's uh, it's not like they have an easy schedule the rest of the way. They have three games left with the Padres, who will be motivated. Uh, you hope by that uh, point they're still going to be right in the thick of things and, and motivated in the second to last series of the season. They're 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 starting a series in Cincinnati, which is a tough place to play. Their road record is is not. Quite as convincing as the Giants' road record. So, uh, and and you know they they still even though they have Clayton Kershaw back, um, you know they're, they're they're still dealing with some deficiencies in their rotation as well uh, that they've certainly dealt with uh, uh, without missing a beat. But um, you know they 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 certainly have their challenges and uh, and they'll be facing some tough opponents. So, um, but I think it's it's up to the Giants to do what they've done all year, which is you know, focus forward on the team in front of them. And that that's a pretty good Atlanta Braves team coming in with, uh, uh, and a little bit of a, a wrinkle is that they rained out uh, their last game. So they pushed their uh, pitchers forward. And it means that the Giants pretty much get the one, two, three in Atlanta's rotation. So they'll have their work cut out for them too. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I'm not going to say that the Dodgers have an easy schedule coming up because uh, they do go on the road. They're going to Cincinnati. Cincinnati does have something to play for. They have a lot to play for. They will be a tough uh, matchup this weekend for the Dodgers. And then after that, they do that thing where they go to Colorado and you don't want to write the Rockies off. I know the Giants just swept the Rockies at Coors Field and the, the Rockies didn't look especially good there. But if I'm a Dodgers fan, uh, first off, I, I step on my own foot a lot. But no, <laughs> but if I'm a Dodgers fan, uh, I don't look at that series and go, ah, we're going to 
take the series. You know, I, that is a series that would fill me with dread. And so you got Cincinnati, Colorado, then they go to Arizona. All right, they can just win those three games. But then after that, they have the Padres. Uh, even if that's at Dodger Stadium, even if they handled them last time at Dodger Stadium, uh, the Padres should have something to play for. They are still, as we've seen, not to be taken lightly. Uh, the Brewers, you know, they might be more concerned about the, the postseason and stuff like that, but they're still the Brewers. It's not like they're going to all of a sudden play the back end of their AAA roster, they will still be playing uh, a lot of people off on their very talented 26-man roster. So, um, I don't know. It's not easy for them. It's just somewhat, the Giants can't assume that there's going to be help down the way. Yeah, and I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of how they should line up their pitching, uh, how they should think about a potential division tiebreak game. Do they throw all the resources into that? We, we still have 15 games to go, so I kind of feel like maybe it, it would be good if we just get another week off the calendar and then take stock and see where things are at. I mean, it's fun to, to, to look down uh, the line and try to figure out, okay, is it going to be Weber Gosman in the wildcard game? Or, or, or do you do you save your pitchers if, uh, if you're in a division tiebreak game? Or what do you do? Um, I, I think those are all going to be fascinating questions if they, the Giants are confronted with them. And I think maybe in about another week or so, we, we probably would have a better idea of, of just what some of those questions will look like. It's funny that uh, as of right now, the wildcard opponent for uh, whomever doesn't win the NL West would be the Cardinals. I can't think of a team that should freak the Giants uh, out more, um, that should freak Giants fans out more. Uh, not the team necessarily, but the fans who love their narratives. That's a team that has Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. And full stop, like, I, they've won against the Giants this year. That doesn't help. But that is motivation enough. Like, just getting out of the Cardinals' way and letting someone else deal with them at first, uh, I think that is the goal right now. It's just, just a, let's get the hell away from the Cardinals. Well, I mean, all you have to do is find whichever recording studio Barry Zito is in right now and then just pull him out of there and and put him on the mound, hand him a glove and say, go get him. You know, that clearly that's that's the response. See, that's the thing, though. It's like I think that there is, has built uh, a little bit of karmic nonsense has built up and and the universe is in imbalance because after 1987, uh, the Giants fans had their hearts broken. Uh, but then there was Kenny Lofton and then there was Marco Scudero and then there was Travis Ishikawa. And it feels like there's an imbalance. And I I don't want uh, the Giants to test that imbalance. I don't want uh, the Giants to prove that we're living in a simulation and that we're all, you know, going to get our comeuppance at one point. It just, it, it seems unwise. It is true when you look at the cardinal devil magic, which is a known quantity. Um, it is a proven <laughs> proven uh, thing that exists uh, in the paranormal and in the real world. Uh, whatever, the, the Giants have cast some sort of spell to be immune from it. They're the one team that's been immune to Cardinal Devil Magic, and you know, obviously, the Giants fans have had have gotten to watch a lot of Cardinal Devil Magic happen to the Dodgers in the postseason, <laughs> which I'm sure um, they were very uh, taken taking glee in. But yeah, you're right. It's they're a team that that can throw Adam Wainwright at you, and and he's as you know, he just knows what to do in October. He's he's a guy who who. Uh, had a just he's coming off a great month. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in in baseball for the last uh, uh, six weeks or so. So um, you know, I I don't know. I kind of feel like it, part of me is like, yeah, you should fear the Cardinals. The other part of me is 
Um, yeah, hey, if the Giants win the division, what better team to to sick at the Dodgers in a wild card game than the Cardinals? I mean, <laughs> especially if you can get Kershaw to start the game and, and somehow get Matt Adams back on the team, then you know you're, you're all set. Oh, that's a deep cut. Oh, that ouch. No, I, and I think at this point it's really rude to just write the Giants off because of a two game losing streak and the Dodgers are charging. Uh, I, I still I'm going to go on record here, and this is being recorded. Uh, I, I still think the Giants are good. Like, I still think they could win more games than they lose from here to the end of the season. And that's just what they have to worry about is, is just playing the kind of baseball that they know. And it, everyone forgets that uh, the nine-game winning streak started uh, after one of the lower points of the season. The Giants were reeling a little bit. They were, I think, two out of their last five, uh, two out of their last seven uh, games they, they had won. So it was like... Uh, it's been worse, and they came out of that uh, bounding away with nine straight wins. Yeah, I mean, I mean, very clearly, what happened was that they they lost to the Dodgers and uh, lost their hold on on first place. I mean, we saw the the MLB uh, Twitter uh, feed came up with that the Dodgers own the West with Mookie Betts. I think. Uh, basically exploding into a, a, a shower of, of sparks, and um, yeah, you were like, okay, well, this is it. This is this is when the correction happens. Uh, they they finally um, are, are are tied for first place um, after being um, up for you know months and months and months, and then you know what what happened? They they ended up winning nine straight after that, uh, including a bullpen game over Walker Bueller to start that run. So, and, and you know, there have been times I think you can look at areas underneath the hood of this team and think, oh gosh, boy, Kevin Gosman just has not had it lately. He's not pitching like a number one or even a number three for a good month and a half. But even though he lost against the Padres on Thursday, he pitched really well. He had great stuff. He's trending in the right direction. There are times you've wondered about, oh gosh, is the offense hitting a little bit of a, a funk here? They're missing some pieces. They're getting pieces back. They'll have Donovan Solano back soon. And they just uh, did something they hadn't done since, uh, you know, basically 1920 something or other when they scored six runs in nine straight games. And that streak did end Thursday, but they hit the ball all around the ballpark and had a lot of great at-bats against the Padres while scoring four runs. So I think the offense is not something to worry about. The bullpen, especially now you don't have any bullpen games scheduled against the Braves. I think that we've demonstrated the kind of value that they have in their bullpen. So that's probably not something to really worry about. So I don't look at any area of this team right now and think, oh, they're teetering. They're really grinding. They're in trouble. They're not playing poorly. They lost two games, and I don't think they necessarily played that bad uh, in those games. And um, now they'll have to just, you know, probably pick right back up and see if they can uh, smack the Braves pitchers around a little bit this weekend. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Uh, do you take most of the blame for the Giants allowing nine runs uh, on Wednesday, or do you take all of the blame? I would like to point out, um, <laughs> I would like to point out that I'm not the only one who wrote rosy things about the bullpen. Uh, no. I'm not. You, <laughs> We're you, both idiots. <laughs> you are also a co-idiot. Yeah, this is the co-idiot <laughs> podcast. So, however, you set me up for it because you even pre-called it. You're like, this article's so great. Don't get mad at Vax. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what happens? The exact thing you said happens. And so you preconditioned our audience to hate me. So thank you. Well, listen, the article was very good. I still think everything in it applies. Um, I just know that when I write uh, anything good about the bullpen, it, it's just a guarantee that the, that day is going to be the day that they're going to uh, mess the bed. Um, but the article still applies. It's still good. We're just having fun here. And uh, I like, look, the bullpen is a strength. This is one of the strengths that the Giants have this season, one of the reasons they're probably going to win 100 plus games is that bullpen. And it is going to get um, 
stretched thin in those bullpen games. And sometimes you're going to have a day where you have a couple different relievers who just don't have it. And those are going to be the ugly days. But in general, once you get like a normal rhythm and you have your starter going five, six, maybe even seven, the bullpen's probably going to be fine. And I went looking like when I wrote mine, my idea was I was going to present this. God, the Giants are really, really running their bullpen into the ground more than most contenders. And I went in with that preconception and I found, no, they're not. Like they've thrown fewer pitches than their peers and it's probably a good thing. So I think the bullpen will continue to be a strength. Yeah, I would agree. And there's still things that they can do. I I do think that they can use Tyler Rogers as a multi-inning reliever. And I do think that they would do that in the postseason. Um, But I'm just, I'm very surprised that they've been disciplined to the point of not doing it up until now, but it's still something that they could do, and and they could do it because they've been very very good about managing workloads and and kind of finding markers um, that are objective measures to to see if someone is fatigued, um, and uh, they're doing a great job of it, uh, both on the position player side and the pitching side, um, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it, you could do it two ways, right? You could do it the conventional way, which we kind of see the Padres doing a little bit, which is. We need a starter. We don't have enough starters. Let's go get a starter. Hey, here's Vince Velasquez. He's free. Let's let's grab him. Oh, here's Jake Arrieta. He's mostly free. Let's grab him. And you could grab a starting pitcher just because you need to have someone who's a quote-unquote starting pitcher, but the innings they may give you, especially in bulk, just may not be as efficient, as effective, as valuable as the innings that you could cobble together from, you know, relievers that you have. And I think that's where we see a big difference is oh, we need to cover ourselves with a starting pitcher. Let's think conventionally about this versus let's really think think about this in, in very, you know, um, uh, in very specific terms. Okay, where can we derive the most value? Which innings can we throw that are going to give us the best probability to win and the best pr- probability of run prevention from inning to inning? And uh, and so the, they've been a little more surgical about it by doing it through the bullpen. And I, I, I don't know if having this number of bullpen games in a short period of time has caught up with people a little bit and maybe it's caught up with a few of those relievers uh in Wednesday's loss when they lost nine to six it's possible but you know the fact that they have Alex Wood back or they they plan to have him back on Saturday and he's someone who you know I think they can hope will give them you know maybe four innings maybe he's five if he's efficient uh that could really help the, the them to you know kind of be able to to parse out that workload without having to shuffle people back and forth all the time and and it could get them on a good road to um you know to go into their next road trip which is going to be a tough one San Diego uh obviously we know the Padres are tough and then um and then at at cores, which they swept at, but they were the first team all year to do that. So, you know, they still have Trevor Story. They still have a lot of good players there uh, that they didn't trade away. Um, so I think it's going to be important that to, to keep that bullpen from getting exhausted. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
it really puts into focus, like especially with Johnny Cueto being out, uh, how important Alex Wood has been to this team. I mean, it's you look at the the surface stats, and he's got an ERA just over four. That's not that exciting, but he's been limiting base runners. He's been keeping the ball in the park. Um, you know, he, the Giants generally win when he's out there. He gives them. Uh, he's not pitching into the eighth inning, but he's giving them some kind of length on a regular basis, and that has helped the bullpen uh, rest just just enough. Uh, so uh, getting Alex Wood back, I think, is a huge uh, component to the end of the season and having Wood around for the postseason should be important too. Uh, He is kind of a forgotten pitcher, uh, but he's been very important to the 2021 Giants. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, it's, he's, he's someone who he's just different, right? He's not, he's not an at bat that's comfortable because he's so unconventional the way he sort of comes around his body and, and slings the ball. And, you know, he's got, he's got postseason experience too, which not a lot of people on this pitching staff have. Um, so I think that we can't minimize the importance of that, particularly if Johnny Cueto's out, because he also would be one of those few guys who have that experience. Logan Webb doesn't, Kevin Gossman really doesn't very much, um, uh, you know, go down the line. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I think it it's going to be really important to have him back uh, for whatever he can provide. I don't think we should expect him to throw you know six plus innings in his first start back because all he had was one simulated game basically. Um, but you know, for other financial reasons, we know that he's motivated to to try to get back out there and 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 <laughs> make as many starts as he can down the stretch because he's got some incentives that are going to be triggered with with two more starts or, or two more outings, I should say, in which he retires ten batters. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, Clearly, I think that there's a lot of mutual motivation to get Alex Wood back out there as, as, as quickly as possible. Because as of now, it sounds like Johnny Cueto is not that far away, possibly, like he, he's throwing. But can the Giants count on him to to take starts in the postseason? Like, what's what's the plan with Cueto? Are they still hoping? Because it seems like there's been a little bit of a yo-yo back and forth with, oh, you know, don't really expect him back this year. Or, uh, oh, no, he, he's throwing now. You know, he, he's looking okay. Um, should the Giants expect anything from Cueto? I think probably not. In terms of what they should expect, gosh, he just started playing catch again. He clearly was very frustrated when he went out there in his last start and uh, and his arm wasn't responding the way that he hoped it would. And, um, you know, they've been very cagey about what exactly um, is the extent of his uh, sort of elbow issue. Um, and he's someone who is also pitching, you know, to try to show that he can be healthy. Uh, he's He wants to sign somewhere next year and continue his career. I think it's very important to him to continue to put up numbers and compile. I know he's very, very proud of where he stands as he's moved up the list of, of pitchers from the Dominican in terms of starts and wins and, and, and strikeouts and all those things. Uh, so I think he wants to compete. He wants to keep going. And, um, you know, f- for him to end the year hurt uh, is, is going to really reduce, I think, his um, his options as a free agent. So um, I, I'm sure he would love to get back on the mound again. And, uh, and, and if he's someone who... Uh, can show that he can get people out. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who's done well on the big stage, and I think that the Giants will probably welcome the opportunity to put him back on that stage. Um, but uh, but they have to think that he's going to be healthy and effective, and and we're just taking the first baby steps to to building him back up. And if there's enough, no, it, it's hard for me to think that there's enough time to do that. But um, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how he responds. Because with the postseason, generally with the the built-in off days, uh, a team really needs a four-man rotation. That's been uh, in the last uh, couple decades, like a four-man rotation can get you through an entire postseason. Um, and when you had the Giants with five healthy starters in a perfect world, you had Gossman, Desclafani, Logan Webb as the givens, and then you could have Cueto as that fourth starter 
starter, and that would allow the Giants and Gabe Kapler to play around with Alex Wood. Uh, he has experience in a relief, a leverage relief role, and that could be the guy who could come in for a couple of innings here, a couple of innings there. Without Cueto, it's you're relying on Wood. Wood is now your starter. Do the Giants just ignore that uh, tempting role to have that Maeda guy, that have that uh, Urias that the Dodgers had last year? Uh, or are they going to try and shoehorn someone like Quintana, maybe Sammy Long? Would they want still someone to fill that, that bulk innings relief role if they get to the postseason? Or, well... I think they're going to go. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, let's not forget the Giants are a postseason team. Woohoo. They, they <laughs> sprayed each other with alcohol and everything. Uh, I think Ron Wotus got about two cases dumped on him. Um, yeah, which is the best way to, to use light beer, by the way, is to just pour it out. Really, it is. They're, they're doing a service for everyone, for you and I'm for me. You. Um, you know, I yeah, you're right. It's such a big advantage to have an Arias that you can shift to the back end of a game or uh, or even a Bumgarner, even though that was, you know, not necessarily uh, the way they, they ran the whole postseason in 2014. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if the Giants are going to have that level of depth. Uh, I'm not sure if they think that Jose Quintana is, is someone who uh, would make a postseason roster. And that's kind of the tricky thing is, is, you know, you can make roster moves from one day to the next um, during the season and, and you're only really con- constrained by when you can bring guys back. Um, and that's why Jay Jackson has, I think, probably been optioned about 8,000 times this season. <laughs> but you can't you can't do that between games three and four of a postseason series. But then also you've got more days off. So, um, yeah, they, they may – who knows? I mean, they may go with three starters and, and try to run a bullpen game if they get in a best of five. But, I mean, obviously they got to get there first. Yeah, and I will point out that uh, since August, uh, when, when Zach Littell came back to the, the bullpen – uh, he has, he's pitched 21 innings. He struck out 25, walked just five with a 1.69 ERA. He has been dominant and he's also done, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, multi-inning appearances. So he might be that guy. We might be overthinking this just because uh, it took a while for me to get used to the idea of Zach Littell as maybe that that uh, bulk innings bullpen guy, but he's been so good since coming up uh, in the beginning of August and so effective, but he's also given the Giants uh so quite a few innings in in short bursts. Yeah, and you know, I I really would be kind of curious. Are we like not looking at something that's obvious? Is there someone like in the minor leagues we haven't seen yet they could bring up as a secret weapon? And mm-hmm. because when you go through their minor league system, they're leading the the their leagues in strikeouts on like mm. three different levels. I think on the the the, the strikeout leaders in the minor leagues uh, in the top ten. I think three are giants. Three may even be in the top seven. And you've got a guy like, I mean, okay, it's kind of ridiculous to think about this because, you know, Ryan Murphy is somebody who was a fifth round pick out of Lemoyne uh, uh, College in New York, um, you know, in last year's draft. And, you know, he's made 20 starts. Uh, he's, he's with Eugene now in high A. Um, he's thrown 103 innings. He's got 156 strikeouts and he's walked 20. I mean, I, I I haven't seen him pitch at all, but I just wonder, is there anyone that they might just like Francisco Rodriguez their way into the big leagues and say, ha ha, you haven't seen this guy. Good luck. Um, I, I kind of doubt it, 
but I wouldn't put it past them if they think there's someone that they could use as a magic bullet. Uh, maybe maybe there's someone out there. You know that I'm in because we talked about this, I think, uh, maybe not last podcast, the podcast before, um, where I was totally in on the Hunter Strickland uh, gambit in 2014 because you see a guy like that and the league doesn't quite know him and, and the data isn't there and you're not able to parse every last scrap of StatCast data. Uh, there's just a dude who's throwing and he's funky and he's quick and he's got the velocity and the he's missing bats and you could run into a team like the Dodgers that plans out every last uh, scrap of data and they look at a guy like this and go uh, uh, you know they don't have a plan for him so that part is appealing it just it feels like the Giants are uh, a very deliberate team in their moves very calculated very uh, seven dimensional backgammon like they're just trying to to pull the different levers in the way that they're used to it would really surprise me um, at the same time it would be cool as hell. So yeah, sure. Hey, why not? Um, you know. Uh, so what you're saying is that basically in 2026, when Ryan Murphy throws at Bryce Harper, um, we're, we're going to understand that where it's stemming from. Basically, if you're setting up the Hunter Strickland analogy here. Hey, well, you know what, Hunter Strickland. Uh, the Giants are undefeated in the World Series when they have him on the roster. So you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Didn't Hunter Strickland? Isn't he the guy who earned the save in the 18 inning game at Washington? We kind of keep forgetting about that. Like Hunter Strickland needed to throw a zero for the Giants to win that game. It wasn't just Brandon Belt. It wasn't just Yusmero Petit, although a lot of it was Yusmero Petit. But hey, Hunter Strickland had to uh, get three outs, and he did. So good for him. I forgot about that. That is an excellent point. I mean, that is... That's like such an iconic game. I mean, I think about Yusmero Petit and that's like all where my brain stops and Brandon Belt and, and uh, the grind of that game. And apparently uh, we lost quite a few riders to frostbite. Um, but you are absolutely right. He uh, he pitched the bottom of the 18th. He struck out the first batter. He walked Anthony Rendon to get to Jason Worth, who lined out. And if I remember correctly, it was not a quiet line out. <laughs> but, but, but hey, you know, he, he made it happen. Good for him. Good for him. And yes, uh, there were some very untimely deaths in the press box that day uh, Lowell Cone God rest his soul uh, he he, uh, he 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 died like just like Jack Nicholson at the end of um, of The Shining he's I think he's still uh, um, a, a frosty statue somewhere in the back of that press box I have I ever told you the story of how I survived that night I was just gonna ask you if it was the coldest night you've ever experienced but yeah please tell me how you survived Tauntaun exactly oh, oh you think they smell bad <laughs> on the outside um so, so uh, that the press box there is at the top of the ballpark. It's really high, and yes. uh, it's even higher for the broadcasters. So they have no judgment whatsoever on on pop ups. There's a there's a drive. It might be, could be. <laughs> it is caught by the third baseman. Um, so, so the wind aloft really just whips into that press box, and it was a warm day that day, and so no one really had like anything more than just like a light jacket. Uh, but then it just dropped. The temperature dropped at night, and it was cold and windy. And they left all the windows open because the Nationals PR people were a bunch of dweebs back then. Um, and and and, uh, and and actually, their PR guy he like left in like the fourth inning and watched the whole rest of the game from downstairs in the clubhouse. So he was nice and toasty warm while we're all freezing, underdressed. And I literally could not feel my fingers to, to be able to type. I was like, you know, literally was having trouble typing. Um, and they don't have food service for, for like they do for a normal regular season game. They usually bring in box lunches for the postseason. But back in the dining room uh, area, they still had all of the equipment, uh, including the machine that has the little hot dog roller things. You know, you put the hot dog on like a 7-Eleven. So yes. I looked at that thing and I thought to myself, what if I plug it in? 
And so I did, and it was, it got toasty warm. And I held my digits right over that hot dog warmer between every single inning from about inning 11 to the end of the game. I would run back and at the half inning, I would hold my hands over that hot dog warmer and Jeff Passan saw what I was doing and he's like, that's brilliant. And so he did it too. And so, (laughs) but by the time we got to like the 16th inning, there was like six writers all like holding their hands over the hot dog rollers uh, just to keep them warm so that we could type our stories. So that is my, um, that, that's my story from, uh, that's how I, I, I did not die, uh, um, during that day in Washington. That is excellent. Everyone, like I just picture all these writers with their, you know, grubby little Vienna sausages on the end of their hands, just hold them over. Uh, it's <laughs> yes. so damn literal. It's so damn literal. Now, uh, that is, that is, I just hear about it and I was toasty warm. Like I was here, there were, a, I think there was a cat on my lap for uh, the 10th inning on. Uh, so that was uh, tremendous for me and me personally. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you survived though. The coldest night I've ever experienced, I think at a ballpark covering a game was uh, the 2018 World Series uh, in Boston. Uh, We were in the auxiliary box. I was down the line and I was not prepared. It was a cold East Coast day. And I left about 10 minutes before first pitch to run to an REI to get supplies, basically. Just get gloves, get hand warmers. Uh, I don't do cold well. Are, Are you... Would you rather be extra hot or extra cold? I would rather be extra cold because I can like layer up. And, and also mm-hmm. I could bring in my flask of, of, of cinnamon um, uh, wild turkey. So, um, you know, that helps. I, I don't like being too hot because I feel like you can't do a whole lot to fix it. Um, but I, I, I don't mind being too cold. Yeah, I just can't stand like when I'm in, uh, and this has happened at Oracle Park too, when I'm typing and like can't feel your fingers, like that just bugs the crap out of me because mm-hmm. you know, you're typing on a keyboard and you need those darn fingers. Fingers are uh, good. I like fingers. Yes, fingers are helpful. I have all 10 of them, thankfully. I haven't lost any of them. So that's good. Almost did on that one. Almost did uh, because Yasmero Petit kept the game going. He was your enemy on that day. All right. This has been episode 162. Uh, we will be back next week uh, for, I guess, next week is 163. So that's the tiebreaker. Our podcast will be the tiebreaker next week. Yes. Who has home field advantage? I suppose we both do. Yes, we both do. All right. We will be back and we'll know what in the heck the Giants did against the Braves. And we will see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>